Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You'll know. First of all, if you haven't heard this yet, I love this. Rod Arquette on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. You know, I wish, I, I really do wish someday that uh, we could install cameras in our studios so, you know, you could go online and see what this show is like each and every day. Uh, and you wouldn't just laugh today because, let me, Abby sits to my left. She's in a totally different studio, but we see each other through glass. And, um, and it was funny today because as she was reading this story about Batman, Coming down with the uh, coronavirus, I'm in here cracking up. I mean, I just think that's a funny, oh, no, Batman has COVID-19. Well, she's in there reading the story, and she refuses to look up because she knows I'll be laughing, and I will get her laughing as well. So you, ju- you just have to see what radio is like sometimes. I mean, you, you, you know, you don't want to see the sausage being made, but sometimes when you see radio being made, you really, really do crack up. And she tried her darndest. Not to look up at me as she was reading the story about Batman and COVID-19. And I'm in here cracking up. Oh, no. What's next? Batman now has COVID-19. Who knows? Maybe James Bond will get it next. We hope not. But how are you, everybody? Welcome to the Rod Arquette Show on this uh, very busy Thursday afternoon. Great to be with you here on Utah's Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know we've got a great show lined up for you. I'll lay it out for you here in just a few minutes. But I want to go to my first guest, Congressman Chris Stewart. Let me give you a background as to why we're getting Chris on the air. Pat Bagley. Pat Bagley has been a political cartoonist over at the Salt Lake Tribune since about 1979. He's been around for a long, long time. Very liberal cartoonist. I mean, he takes shots at everybody. Usually anything to do with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, he's going to get a little dig in. Anything to do with Republicans or conservatives in this state or the uniqueness of Utah, Pat Bagley's always going to kind of poke us a little bit. You know, we're kind of used to it rarely do you see him take a shot at Democrats. I mean, it is, and that gives you a pretty good idea that he is very liberal in his leanings. And the Tribune is proud of it, and apparently Pat Bagley is as well. But there is a political cartoon over uh, that is out there today in the Tribune that maybe I think has touched a nerve a little bit. Let me explain what it is, and then I'll get Chris on the show. The cartoon shows a doctor standing next to a man wearing a, uh, a law enforcement uniform. Bagley describes it as a jacket. Now, the two are looking at the officer's x-ray. The x-ray shows a skeletal rib cage on top of connected to a hooded KKK member on the bottom. The caption states, well, there's your problem. On the wall next to the x-ray is a poster titled Intestinal Parasites. Now, on social media, Bagley included comments with his cartoon entitled The Deep Hate, He said white supremacists have made a point of infiltrating law enforcement. That's a fact. That's a problem. The Sheriff's Association here in the state are upset. And Utah Congressman Chris Stewart is also angry at this. And he's joining us on our newsmaker line right now. Chris, how are you? Welcome to the show. I'm 
frustrated. And you know, it's funny, Rod, because usually when something gets you angry, if you take a deep breath and go have lunch and talk to some people, you come back and you're not, not so much. But this still angers me. I, I think it's, I ever use a word and, and, uh, and I use it carefully, but it is. It's just disgusting that uh, this individual would, would draw this cartoon that paints all law enforcement as the equivalent of the KKK, which is, their entire purpose was to oppress and to murder black people. And he thinks that that's a fair comparison to law enforcement. I think it's absolutely insane. Well, at a time when the country is on edge already, Chris, I mean, he he could have even waited on this, couldn't he have? I mean, he shouldn't have done it in the first place, in my opinion. But at a time where, you know, is he fanning the flames with something like this, do you feel? Well, you say he could have waited. How about just not do it? Yeah. A, it's, it's untrue. It, it, it's untrue. And B, it's, it's uh, deceptive and, and it, uh, you know, it makes people distrust and hate the police. And look, he and his editor both said the same thing. They, and, and I also did an interview earlier on another radio show, and they tried to say this. Well, the FBI said that, uh, you know, that the white supremacists are, are, have invaded law support or law enforcement. That's nuts. This is what it is. I've seen those reports. I've seen every one of them. We've seen them for years. The, this was one of hundreds of things where the FBI said, hey, you know what? We're a little bit concerned about this. You should look for it. And they have put out warnings saying, we're a little concerned that uh, white supremacists would try to place themselves in positions of law enforcement. So be aware of that and be sure to screen people properly. And so they say, well, it's true and it's dangerous. It's bad. Name me a single example of any of these incidences where law enforcement has oppressed minorities or the black community, because we have seen some where they have, and, and show any ties to white supremacists. Because I think I'm well-informed on this. I think I'm as well-informed as almost anyone else in, in the country because we look at it, and I don't know a single example of it, where they actually tie police officers to white supremacist groups, and these individuals they know infiltrated law enforcement in order to be positions authority to go out and oppress minorities. And again, for this individual to, to with this sweeping brush, indicate all law enforcement are the equivalent of KKK, who, if you're familiar with your, their history, you know, again, their purpose in life was to kill and to maim and to oppress mm-hmm. minorities. Mm-hmm. I just think the equivalency is morally absurd. You know, Chris, I uh, had the uh, opportunity last week, uh, last Friday, a week ago tomorrow, as a matter of fact, to go through some police training who were involved in active shootings. And uh, as I talked to those who trained me, and these are these are good law enforcement people, nothing is angering them more right now than being accused of being racist, of not being fair. I mean, they are, they are the, the law enforcement community in this country, I can't believe the patience they have, Chris, because they're being attacked from right and from all over the place. Yet they say that is simply not the case, and how do we get that story out, Chris? Well, and we get it out by just simply telling the truth. And look, here, there are two truths here, and they're both true. They're not mutually exclusive. Rod, you and I, in our experience, have probably known someone who was in law enforcement who probably shouldn't be there. They, they were uh, arrogant. I've known some who were arrogant, who I felt abused their authority, and, uh, and they went to law enforcement for the wrong reasons. But there's no one who wants to identify those individuals and get them out of law enforcement more so than law enforcement. 
it's like in, in the military when Abu Ghraib was a story and I was disgusted with military members who would do that and I wanted them to be held accountable. Law enforcement feels the same way. And frankly, they, in some cases, especially in the big cities, their unions were too protective and then there is not a transparency that's adequate where someone may be fired in one job and then get another job in law enforcement because their record doesn't follow them. Those are reforms that I think all of us would support. But once again, because there are a few, and there's such a tiny percentage, but because there are a few who have abused their authority, that to then say all law enforcement is bad, and all law enforcement is the equivalent of the KKK, and law enforcement is being infiltrated by these white supremacists without any evidence. I just think, again, it's so, it's so divisive for our nation at a time when we're already so divisive. And, and I want our children and young people to look at police officers to say, hey, if I'm lost, if I need help, I can go to them for help. I can trust them. And this kind of, this kind of story, this narrative teaches exactly the opposite. And how is that good for people? How is that good for anyone? Yeah, it, it simply isn't, Chris. Chris, um, I know people are asking for an apology or an explanation. I don't see one coming to you. Well, I mean, honestly, probably not. I mean, maybe if there's a bit, a bit enough of an uproar. But I mean, I've read the, I've read the response of the of the editor and of the, the cartoonist himself, and uh, and you know, he uh, one of them he blames me. He says, "What's dangerous is representatives <laughs> who incite uh, rage." I saw well, that. Well, uh-huh. so it's okay <laughs> to have this kind of cartoon, but by golly, don't question me on it. That's dangerous, representative. Uh, well, I guess I'll just go sit in the corner and just hope things turn out okay, and I'll try not to say anything. Never question the Fourth Estate, right, Chris? Chris, always great having yeah. you on the show. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank All you, right. sir. All right, that's Utah Congressman Chris Stewart. By the way, um, on a, uh, there are several pro-law enforcement groups out there. And on Facebook, apparently, according to an article that Pat Reavy has in the D News this afternoon, that these groups are planning a back-the-blue protest in front of the Tribune's office tonight. I'm not, I don't have details. I haven't gone on Facebook to see what it is. But apparently the groups are saying, we demand the Salt Lake Tribune retract artwork and issue an apology. As a matter of fact, one of the sites says, let's go show them police matter, and they need to stick to reporting, not publishing their personal beliefs. And they feel that's exactly what they have done in attacking police, calling, saying that police have been infiltrated by the KKK. And as Chris pointed out, the FBI has looked into this and found no evidence whatsoever of it. All right, more coming up on the Rod Arquette Show on a very, very busy um, Thursday afternoon here on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen in, you'll know. Let me take a minute right now and talk to you about Trajan Wealth. Now, there are a lot of people who've been impacted by COVID-19. As a matter of fact, they've affected every facet of life. People have either lost their jobs, they've been laid off, they've been furloughed. Some have been asked to take an early retirement. Well, if you're one of those, are you were, were you ready for retirement? And if you still are trying to figure out what to do, may I suggest you reach out to the good people at Trajan Wealth. As a fiduciary, Trajan Wealth has the experience and the knowledge to help you. So why not give them a call today? Find a professional at Trajan Wealth who will work to protect you and your retirement. A lot of times, you know, you have a 401k with an old, with a former employee. You don't know what they're going to do with that, right? They could change it. They could change the plan. They could sell it off, leaving you high and dry. You don't want that to happen. So reach out to Trajan Wealth today and set up that one-on-one appointment. They have a new office in Draper. So give them a call today, 
801-899-7600. You can go online, get all the details, set up an appointment on their website as well, as well at TrajanWealth.com, T-R-A-J-A-N, Wealth.com. Advisory services offered through Trajan Wealth, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. All right, let's get news update right now. Here's Abby. Thanks, Rob. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. All right, welcome back to the run, our catch show. Uh, yesterday in the uh, 5 o'clock hour, we got a lot of calls from you, the listeners out there, as we were talking about that uh, USC poll that showed 9% uh, that Donald Trump has ni- lost 9% of people who supported him in 2016. And I-, I asked you as the listeners, has your support gotten weaker, stronger for the president? Do you know people who are going to vote for Joe Biden? They may have voted for... Uh, Donald Trump in 2016, but they're going to vote for Biden in, 26, in in 2020. And one of the callers right at the end of the show was Josh Holt. And many of you, I know Josh Holt's story. Uh, and I asked Josh, we ran out of time to get Joe, uh, Josh on the show then, but I asked him if he'd come on today. And he's going to be joining us at 435 and provide us with his insights as to what it's like meeting with the president. I think he's done so two or three times now. And Josh will join us coming up in just about 15 minutes here on the Rod Arquette Show. Now, Earlier this week, we talked about the um, report that was released a week ago by the CDC very quietly, and it showed, I think the report indicated, that only 9% of the people, or 6% of the people in this country today who have died from COVID-19 died from the virus directly. Other, The other 94% died as a result of other illnesses as well working with COVID-19. And a lot of people are saying, well, wait a minute, that doesn't mean that COVID has only killed about 6% of the American people. But as I look at it and say, well, what else does it say? Let's talk about it right now with our uh, next guest, Chris Talgo. He is editor of the Heartland Institute. He's written about this today in The Hill. How are you, Chris? And thanks for joining us on the show. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Chris, what do you make of this report from the CDC that was released last Friday? Very quietly, by the way. Yeah, so the CDC releases a report that says that 94% of uh, patients who have been coded as dying of uh, COVID-19 actually had, on average, 2.6 other comorbidities. So, you know, there's a bunch of examples that I cited, but people that die of a heart attack, well, they also happen to have coronavirus at the time, are being coded as dying of COVID-19. 
And I think uh, what that tells us is that these uh, death, the death count is wildly overblown. You can can you share the details of one of these stories about uh, I think a man in Florida who died in a motorcycle accident, <laughs> but apparently the cause of death was COVID nineteen. Can you can you give us a background on that, Chris? Yeah. So anecdotally, there have been a bunch of uh, stories of people who have died in car accidents, motorcycle crashes, and the like, having uh, been somehow coded as COVID nineteen deaths and. Uh, there's an example of a man who unfortunately died of a motorcycle accident in Florida. He was uh, a young man. He was, you know, perfectly healthy. However, they found out that he did have COVID-19 at the time of the accident, and he was coded as a COVID-19 death. And surprisingly, uh, the article in which th- uh, this man's, uh, you know, being described uh, there were some doctors that said, well, COVID-19 could have caused the accident. And I mean, that is just such a leap of logic, <laughs> but, it, but, but, but I think it, it shows, it shows <laughs> that, that these numbers, we should really, really, uh, uh, question, uh, this 180,000 plus, uh, death count. Wait a minute. So was he coughing during the motorcycle accident? Is that what caused the accident? I mean, how can COVID-19 cause a motorcycle accident, Chris? Exactly. Uh, Obviously, it can't, you know, unless his mask uh, somehow, you know, wins his eyes. I mean, who knows? But, um, you know, that's just one of many. And uh, on average, 2.6 comorbidities. That means that people who have diabetes or they're obese, you know, they have uh, terrible respiratory issues. If they are going into the hospital and they are dying, you know, from from what we, you know, know is definitely a combination of their comorbidities, they are being uh, coded as dying from COVID-19. And we just know on the face of it that that just can't be. Well, Chris, why are medical examiners so willing to put down COVID-19 as a cause of death? Why are they, why are they doing that? So I've thought a lot about this, and I've, you know, talked and read about, uh, about why that is. And some of it's money. Uh, hospitals are compensated uh, and reimbursed at higher rates for, you know, COVID-19 deaths and or patients. Uh, some of it's also just uh, political. Uh, you know, there's, there's uh, the expectation that uh, medical examiners and, you know, other officials will play ball. And uh, I did find an example of a, a medical examiner in, uh, in Michigan who he, you know, would kind of flat out said that this is wrong, this is not the way it's supposed to be. However, I highly suspect that he's the exception, not the norm. How troubling is it uh, in America today that, you know, our trust in government has always been down, our trust in local and state government is down, but how, how troubling is it that our trust in the medical community is also dropping, Chris, in your opinion? Uh, in my opinion, I think that that's a recipe for disaster. And, you know, ever since this pandemic, we've had a lot of mixed messages. You know, first we were told not to wear masks. Now they're mandatory. Uh, you know, the hydroxychloroquine debate, you know, I mean, that's still something that, you know, a lot of people think really does benefit uh, COVID-19 patients. However, I, I think it's been politicized. And I think that uh, public trust in uh, the media and government officials about this pandemic is, is much lower than it than it should be. You know what I find funny, Chris, and I've I've seen this in uh, newspapers or uh, accounts around the country. They're even now questioning this report, this report from the CDC. It doesn't fit the narrative 
that they want, and therefore they're even questioning that. How, how do you question that when the numbers are staring you right in the face? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that really just boggles my mind. And, I mean, not only are they uh, questioning the report, but uh, uh, social media companies, you know, the usual suspects um, are going out of their way to make sure that this report is not uh, accurately conveyed to the public. And, I mean, that's, that, that really troubles me because uh, when, when, you know, these media giants are uh, conniving together to suppress information that you know the public has a right to know wow not you know not a not a place i want to be no that's for sure chris as always thanks for joining us uh have a safe evening and enjoy the labor day weekend thank you chris thank you you too all right on our newsmaker line that's chris talco he is editor of heartland institute he's got a story out there about this cdc report that we've been talking about all week and um, you would think information contained in that report would be used by people to say, okay, let's really try and understand what's going on with COVID-19. And if only 6% of the, what, 180 deaths that we have in this country are directly related because of COVID-19, not because of some other health issue, but directly related to COVID-19, and that story is not getting out, we've got a real problem in this country today. And it doesn't fit the narrative so nobody in the mainstream media is even reporting this. All right, more coming up on the Rod Arquette Show and Utah's Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know. Are you drinking? Give me back my freedom. Give me back my land. Give me back my money. I want to be The Rod Arquette Show on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Well, you heard a short time ago that the uh, Utah Sheriff's Association, very upset about a political cartoon in the Salt Lake Tribune by Pat Bagley, and you have the state's largest police union now accusing teachers of political indoctrination. We'll be talking about that coming up at 5.05 and get your reaction to that. A lot to talk to you about today. Now, yesterday, if you weren't listening yesterday, um, we were talking about a uh, public opinion poll put out by USC, the University of uh, Southern California, in which it said the president has lost 9% of his core voters as they get ready to vote in 2020. And I asked a lot of you, um, and a lot of you responded, if if your faith in the president has dropped, or um, if you're thinking twice now about voting for him again, and the overwhelming response is, or was, that people felt very strongly about the president, and they want to vote for him again. Now, right at the end of the uh, calls we were taking, uh, Iray took a call from Josh Holt. And Josh, who's had the opportunity to interact with the president a couple of times, uh, couldn't get in, but we asked him if he'd come on the show today and talk about it. Josh, of course, many of you know, was a prisoner held in Venezuela on trumped-up gun and drug charges. And thanks to the work on the part of the administration, he was set free about a year, year and a half ago now, believe it or not, and uh, has appeared with the president a couple of times. And Josh is joining us on our Newsmaker line right now. Josh, how are you? And welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Josh, I want to ask you, first of all, how are you doing and how's your family doing? Oh, we're doing great. We're uh, we're happy. We're living in Tremont now and uh, working. Just had a baby. She just turned a year. So 
Life's crazy, as I'm sure everyone can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations to you, Josh. Josh, we were talking yesterday about President Trump, and you tried to get in on the show and share some of your thoughts. What you know, you've had a chance to interact with the president a couple, three times now. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, he really is. He's an awesome, awesome man. Um, I've had, just like you said, you know, a handful of times where I've been able to sit down with him and talk to him. And uh, this last time when we were invited to the White House, we were actually able to sit down with the National Security Advisor, um, Robert O'Brien. And uh, he had a lot of great things to say about President Trump and the way he just fights um, for Americans and the way he fights for Americans that are held hostage abroad. And, of course, you know, we're hoping and praying that none of our, you know, citizens are held abroad like that. But when it does happen, uh, this president, President Trump, puts forth all of his effort into making sure that everyone that needs to be home can get home. Um, it's, and being in his presence, the way he talks to you, I mean, yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of people think that he has a lot of arrogance, and uh, I'm sure it's true in some parts, but he really is honestly true and sincere and, uh, and cares about you. And it was nice to see him, and he kind of walked in, and he said, oh, you're the guy from Utah, right? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's me. And he goes, those, those Utahns, they really wanted me to come and help you. And, and so I did. And it was a great pleasure to work with you and Senator Hatch and Mia Love. And so it was uh, it was cool to meet with him. How much credit do you give the uh, president and his administration in helping you get out of prison, Josh? How much credit do you give them? You know, I think that that would... It's kind of a, I'm kind of a sports guy, so I think I can use the term like basketball or football it's not just one person that's on the team mm -hmm. that can get all of the credit. You know, it's the entire team that should get the credit. So it's not just Senator Hatt, it's not just me alone, and it's not just President Trump, but it's the entire team getting together, figuring out what they can do. And uh, while I was there, I was told that since President Trump has been in office, he's, got, he's gotten over 50 uh, political hostages released without paying a ransom. And so that is a big handful of people that he's gotten released and without paying a ransom shows that, you know, he's doing what he can to help people get released. Uh -huh. Josh, you were featured, of course, during the Republican National Convention, along with some of those other people who have been freed by the administration. Um, how important was that, do you think, to show the American people that the president is working to help everyday Americans like yourself? How important was that for the president to do? I think it's really important. I think it's important that the people can actually see what's actually going on inside the United States, what he's doing to help people, what he's doing to save people, and how he shows that, hey, I care about the American people. I'm here to do what the American people want, and I'm not here just to make people that are, you know, within, whether they're Senate, senators, whether they're Congress people, to make them happy. I'm here to make the American people happy, and I think he, he proved that. Do you ever run into people, Josh, who uh, voted for the president in 2016, maybe reluctantly, and now today are not even going to think about it and going to vote for Joe Biden. Have you run into people like that? If not, what would you say to people who are thinking about that? No, I, I haven't, to tell you the truth. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's just what, what I heard yesterday. Can you 100% come and tell me that you're going to vote for Joe Biden without saying the word Donald Trump? I would love to see that, and I'd love to hear the reasons behind it. So I, I suspect you're going to be voting for him here in a couple of months? Yeah, of course. <laughs> All right, Josh. <laughs> Josh, great chatting with you. Thanks, by the way, for listening to the show. I'm glad you called in, and I'm glad we could get you on the show for a few minutes today, Josh, and good luck to you and your family. Thank you.
Hey, thanks, Rod. All right, all right. That is Josh Holt. Josh is a uh, Utah resident, as he mentioned, living up in the Tremont area right now, just had a baby short time ago. He is a uh, Utah who is held in a Venezuelan prison for, what, almost two years. Remember having his mom on the show, pleading with people to help out her son. And thanks to the efforts of not only President Trump and his administration, but here in Utah, Mia Love and Orrin Hatch for working to get Josh out. He was featured uh, during the Republican National Convention as one of the people that uh, the president has helped out, and he certainly is grateful. I think you can hear that as we spoke to him just a few minutes ago. More coming up now on the Rod Arquette Show and Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen in, you'll know. Now, remember your family and your friends. Remember your friends. Remember your community. Remember the elderly. You know, with Labor Day weekend coming up, A lot of people are planning to travel and gather with family and friends. And a reminder from the COVID-19 task force to maintain proper social distancing, wearing a mask if you need to, hygienic standards to prevent and slow the spread of COVID-19 are still very, very important. You know, we know a lot of you have had a lot on your mind right now from case counts, infection rates, and more. But together, we're going to beat this thing. I really do believe that. Let's maintain proper distancing, good mask-wearing standards in public, Because this is about everyone's safety, whether at a community or sporting event, now more than ever, we need to keep ourselves up to date to keep the community safe. If you have any questions, things that you should do to make sure you're safe, your family is safe, your family, your friends are safe, go to their website at coronavirus.utah.gov to learn how to keep you, your community safe, and how to protect those at higher risk or severe illness or death. That's coronavirus.utah.gov, coronavirus.utah.gov. Here's Abby now with the news update. Thanks, Rob. The Rod Arquette Show here on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know the um, Sheriff's Association here in the state of Utah Mad at Pat Bagley in the Salt Lake Tribune because of a uh, political cartoon that was out a couple of days ago. We'll get into that in the 5 o'clock hour with you. We'll also get into this story where the state's largest police union is uh, mad as a wet hen, as they used to say, at teachers who are making political statements about Black Lives Matter. And what's going on in this country today in front of their children? They're saying that that's very inappropriate, and it is. We'll get your reaction to that as well coming up in the uh, 5 o'clock hour, so we invite you to stay tuned. Now, because of the uh, coronavirus, many states are moving to mail-in voting for November. There have been concerns about voter fraud for a number of reasons, right? And the media is having a field day. The president yesterday suggested that maybe you should vote twice, once in person and once by mail, to see if, in fact, there was fraud. Now, he doesn't mean that, but everybody's going crazy with it. The Attorney General, Bill Barr, did a very interesting interview with Wolf Blitzer from CNN yesterday and talked about that, and Wolf asked him about voter fraud and why, you know, mail-in voting is such a bad thing. This is a, you know, sort of cheap talk to get around the fundamental problem, which is the bipartisan commission chaired by Jimmy Carter and James Baker said back in 2009 that mail-in voting is fraught with the risk of fraud and coercion. And and until this administration proved it. Let me talk. Yeah, please. Uh, And since this since that time, there have been in the newspapers, in networks, academic studies saying it is open to fraud and coercion. 
The only time the narrative changed is after this administration came in. But elections that have been held with mail have found substantial fraud and coercion. For example, we indicted someone in Texas, 1,700 ballots collected he ma- from people who ha- could vote. He made them out and voted for the person he wanted to. Okay? Because that kind of thing happens with mail-in ballots, there are, and everyone knows but that. There are- Everyone knows it. A lot of there have been stories out there. Even I think it was CBS News did a uh, experiment to talk about mail-in voting, and they found fraud there as well. Now Utah's done a very good job, but we've refined the process over the years. States just can't jump into this because they are going to run into problems, and we've already seen that around the country. I thought Bill Barr made an excellent argument against mail-in voting. All right, time now for entertainment. Major Hollywood news. All right, time to check out uh, entertainment news brought to you today by Bio35. Find it at your local pharmacy. AJ from 971ZHD is back with us. How are you, man? I'm swell. Good, good. Thank you so much. Did you see this balloon thing where uh, (laughs) David Blaine floated? Yeah. (laughs) Like he just lifted off with a bunch of balloons and then like he parachuted down. I was kind of like, that's it? That's all you're doing? (laughs) I mean, it wasn't like he was holding on by himself, and he did have a parachute. I mean, yeah, he, was, he did. He was he tied did. to the thing, and the balloons yeah. just take you up. And yeah. I was like, this is kind of anticlimactic. Yeah. But people watched it, yeah. including my wife, who thinks he's freaking hilarious. <laughs> like, I don't get it, babe. I don't think I'd do that, to be yeah, real honest. No. In my opinion. Well, I've skydived before, but that that was a different thing. Yeah. That was yeah. in an airplane. What do you think of skydiving? I loved it. Eh? I did it when I was a younger, more in shape man, and. <laughs> Probably could recover from injuries if they happen, but uh, yeah, no, it was a good time. All right, all right. Forbes officially declaring Tyler Perry to be a billionaire. Yeah, quite an article on Tyler Perry. I'm going to talk about that in the five o'clock hour. Glowing, Uh, glowing article. What a success story, huh? And what a guy. Like, I mean, as a humanitarian, as a philanthropist, as a businessman, as an actor. Uh, you name it, and and he goes into like you know grocery stores and just buys groceries yeah. for everybody when he can. I, that's my dream yeah. Yeah. is to win the lottery and go around and just buy stuff <laughs> for people to need it. Wouldn't it be so fun to make their day? So and he's kind of done that with his life. But yeah, again, part of the uh, the Forbes 400, 1.4 billion dollars he has made since wow. two thousand and quite a story. I mean, he slept in his car for crying. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean it's, he's an amazing came from nothing. Story. Yeah, came from yeah. nothing. Uh, Bindi Irwin expecting a baby. Mm-hmm. This is big news for everybody on the planet mm-hmm. uh, because Bindi Irwin is the most adorable human being I have ever seen and heard speak in the Australian acts. I mean, look, she comes from a great family and the whole thing with her dad and how she's kind of been brought up. And, and I just I found this story. Good story. Very, very, very yeah, cute. Yeah. Good story. She she is uh, also a good human being, if you will. And there was a big wedding thing that was supposed to take place, and then you know the whole COVID, COVID thing, thing screwed yeah. that up for yeah. her. So who knows if we'll ever get that? But I, you can imagine if it had been on television, it had been like the Harry and Meghan deal. And by the way, Harry and Meghan have signed a deal with Netflix, and it's worth four thousand <laughs> billion dollars or whatever. I think it's I think it's pretty pretty. Uh, I mean, look, it's going to be the most watched thing on the planet. Yeah. One hundred ninety three million. You uh, Netflix subscribers and every single one of them is going to watch it. Yeah, is Trump going to allow him to stay in the country? Well, it's <laughs> we'll the, see. Up huh? to the green card issue. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, there is a story here about Chadwick Boseman and the hometown he grew up in has a Confederate memorial, and there is a growing. They want to take it down. Well, they want to put up a statue of him up. Oh well, okay. 
since he's kind of like their local hero. Okay. And I think that yeah. I was like, that's that's a pretty cool deal. Hey, trailer number two for James Bond is out. Yeah. Did you see that? Well, the, the movie. Wow. Yeah, well, this is like a movie that they've had done now for yeah. a year. Yeah. Coming out in November? Is that what they're looking at yeah. now? Yeah, well, December. If everything goes well. December. Oh, December, I, really? I think it was December. I could Pretty be good trailer. Looks like fun. Yeah. yeah. And Looks you know like what fun. else is a good trailer? The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. <laughs> Andy Cohen says it's going to be awesome, I and I believe him. I can't wait to it's see that. It's going to be hilarious. I can't wait to see that. All right, man. Thanks. See you, bud. All right, Mark. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Coming up, hour number two of the Rod Arquette Show is on its way. Stay with us. Jennifer. We're live, we're local, and of course we're everywhere with you. As long as you download the iHeartRadio app, we can be with you each and every day. And we hope that you do help uh, welcome back, I should say, to hour number two of the Rod Arquette Show here on this Thursday. Another reminder, we'll be taking a little bit of a Labor Day break starting tomorrow. Buck Sexton will be filling in for me tomorrow from 4 to 7. And then on uh, Monday, which is Labor Day, we've got some great Fox News specials coming your way. One of them will focus on the debate over schools and schools reopening. That's coming your way Monday afternoon. So we invite you to uh, get out, enjoy the Labor Day weekend. Last big weekend of the summer It's going to be hot, but things then are going to uh, start to cool off. But that gives you an idea as to what's coming up in the next couple of days here on the Rod Arquette Show. All right, I want, to, I, want, I want you to imagine with me this. Let's say you have a, uh, a daughter, and she's in school now. Uh, you yourself are a police officer, and you were involved with the riots in downtown Salt Lake City that we had over the Memorial Day weekend, and you were injured in, in those riots. So you're okay, but you were injured. So your daughter goes to class, and all of a sudden, she's hearing from her teacher, a teacher who uh, is wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt and maybe even speaking out against police in her class. How would you feel if you were a parent? Well, apparently, that is just one of the incidents that has happened here in the state of Utah. And that's why the state's largest police union is now alleging that some teachers in the state have been pushing an anti-law enforcement agenda. And they want it stopped. State law does not allow teachers to do that. So you've got that story, right? Then you have this story that is surfacing today about an editorial cartoon in the Salt Lake Tribune on uh, Tuesday, I believe it was, by Pat, Pat Bagley. And the cartoon basically shows a doctor standing next to a man in his law enforcement uniform, apparently looking at the officer's x-ray. It's a political cartoon by Pat Bagley. The x-ray shows the skeletal ribcage on top connected to a hooded Ku Klux Klan member at the bottom. The caption states, well, there's your problem. And a lot of people are very upset about that, including Congressman Chris Stewart, who we had on the show an hour ago. Chris Stewart gave us this reaction to the cartoon from Pat Bagley. 
I, I have used the word and and uh, and I use it carefully, but it is. It's just disgusting the, that uh, this individual would would draw this cartoon that paints all law enforcement as the equivalent of the KKK, which is their entire purpose was to oppress and to murder black people, and he thinks that that's a fair comparison to law enforcement. I think it's absolutely insane. And Chris went on to uh, talk about the real root of all of this. It, it, it's untrue. And B, it's it's uh, deceptive and, and it uh, you know it makes people distrust and hate the police. And look, he and his editor both said the same thing. Well, the FBI said that uh, you know that white supremacists are, are have invaded law support or law enforcement. That's nuts. This is what it is. I've seen those reports. I've seen every one of them. We've seen them for years. The this was one of hundreds of things where the FBI said, hey, you know what? We're a little bit concerned about this. You should look for it. And they have put out warnings saying, we're a little concerned that uh, white supremacists would try to place themselves in positions of law enforcement. So be aware of that and be sure to screen people properly. And so they say, well, it's true and it's dangerous. It's bad. Name me a single example of any of these incidences where law enforcement has oppressed minorities or the black community, because we have seen some where they have, and, and show any ties to white supremacists. Because I think I'm well-informed on this. I think I'm as well-informed as almost anyone else in, in the country because we look at it. And I don't know a single example of it where they actually tie police officers to white supremacist groups. And these individuals, they know, infiltrated law enforcement in order to be in positions of authority to go out and oppress minorities. And again, for this individual to, to with this sweeping brush, indicate all law enforcement are the equivalent of KKK, who, if you're familiar with their history, you know, again, their purpose in life was to kill and to maim and to oppress Mm -hmm. minorities. Mm -hmm. I just think the equivalency is morally absurd. And it is. I agree with Congressman Chris Stewart. Now, by the way, the Utah Sheriff's Association is also reacting very strongly in an open letter to the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, The president and executive director... Uh, Scott Burns said, if you did not see Pat Bagley's cartoon, consider yourself lucky. Uh, according to the letter, the cartoon shows law enforcement are also KKK members. Now, let me tell you what. Um, nothing offends law enforcement more than this. Nothing offends law enforcement more than be calling racist. Now, during this period of time, I've gotten to know several law enforcement officers, police officers. These are people who are saying, you know, what gives, Rod? Um, we go out and do a very tough job each and every day. Yet we are being called every name in the book. And police officers say more than anybody, they hate bad cops. They really do. They give law enforcement a bad name. But for the public to think out there, every police officer is a bad cop. Every police officer is a member of the KKK. In my opinion, like Chris said, is utterly disgusting. And to try and create... Now, Bagley says, well, you know, my job is to create a discussion. We need to talk about this. Well, Pat Bagley, where is your evidence that this, in fact, happens? Where is your evidence? You know, many of these people who people are honoring today, including people like Jacob Blake who apparently Joe Biden had a 15-minute conversation with him today. You know, where are, you know, let's go back to the beginning and what I've said before, and I think it was uh, Jason Whitlock 
a sports columnist who said, we don't have systemic racism in this country. What we have is systemic refusing, resisting arrest. And every one of these people, including Jacob Blake, would be just fine today if they didn't resist arrest. And that's what it all comes down to. And I want to go back. Um, AJ, we just had AJ on with Entertainment News a moment ago, um, talking about Tyler Perry. Very successful. Very successful at what he did. And, you know, the question comes, why aren't we talking more about these success stories? People who, uh, Tyler Perry, uh, recognized by Forbes magazine, writing a glowing story about him, for crying out loud, slept in his car for three weeks just because he had a goal. And now look at him today. But we don't talk about those people. No, we talk about the George Floyds. We talk about the Rayshon Brooks. We talk about the Jacob Blakes in this country today and honor them. We're putting their faces on our shoes. Yet we don't honor the people who've really made a difference. And people like the young actor who just died made a difference, worked hard, and did it. But we don't talk about them. So I want to open up the phones to you. 888-570-8010. 888-570-8010. Or on your cell phone, dial pound 250. We get your reaction to what's being taught in our schools. Teachers wearing BLM t-shirts. You know, teachers hanging gay pride flags in their classroom. We've heard it all, haven't we? And when are we going to put a stop to it? 888-570-8010. On your cell phone, dial pound 250. And say, hey, Rod, before we go to the break, let's get a call in. Let's talk to uh, Lane in Alpine. Lane, how are you? Welcome to the show. I'm well, Ron. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. I wanted to throw some data at you that completely refutes this this, no, this notion that there's an epidemic of police brutality, and that is that 6% of the population, which are black men, commit 40% of the violent crime. Yet in 2019, 1,004 individuals were shot and killed by police. 235, or only 23%, were African American. But only nine of those were unarmed. And if you actually drill into each of those cases... About three of them were actually illegal, where the police were actually uh, prosecuted and convicted. And the other six were where these individuals attacked police, reached for their gun, you know, beat police, etc. So you're talking about one-tenth of one percent of all blacks that are murdered are done by cops. So the data doesn't support that, especially when you look at 40% of violent crime, 50% of murders, and 60% of burglaries are done by 6% of the population. So it just doesn't support it. It's just unbelievable, the data that shows that there is no epidemic of this, and it's completely blown out of proportion. The other point I wanted to make is that oftentimes um, poverty is mistaken for systemic racism. And what we're seeing, almost every case where people say it's systemic racism, it actually is poverty. And I read an article recently where um, a group of, it's a black organization, I can't remember the name of the organization, they put up some billboards in Baltimore and it said something to the effect of tired of poverty, question mark. And then it listed things that could help you get out of poverty. And it said, you know, get married, graduate from <laughs> high school, um, work yeah. a job, <laughs> yep. uh, save money, give back to your community. And Black Lives Matter went to Clear Channel Communications and forced them to take those billboards down wow. from this organization that was literally giving good advice as to how to get out of poverty. And that, that story was on Fox News and things. It didn't get a lot of press for some reason. But it was just shocking to see that you know they're clearly not looking at poverty and at the root cause. And I would 
I, I hate racism. And I'd, you know, I'd, I'd fight against it, but I need people to point out where it is and make sure it's not poverty caused by these things I just mentioned, which is, you know, 72% yeah, of kids yeah, yeah. Are, are born to single moms yeah. in the black community, the graduation rate, et cetera, et cetera. So the data just doesn't support it at all. No, it doesn't, Lane. Uh, a lot of great information. Thank you very much for sharing that. And the problem Lane brought up, you bring up questions like this. You bring up the question about black-on-black violence, the question about poverty, the question about illegitimate children in this country today, and you're immediately called a racist. And we are not going to address any of these problems until people are willing to have that conversation. 888-570-8010, 888-570-8010, on your cell phone, dial pound 250, and say, hey, Rod, and we'll get to your calls here in just a minute. You know, here in Utah, we can get some crazy storms at times, either a hailstorm or a windstorm, right? And they can cause some real damage to your roof. Not every roofer really understands the ins and outs of working with your homeowner's insurance to get them to assist with pain for your roof when your shingles blow off or the hail damages your shingles. That's why you need to call RoofTech. All you do is have to dial pound 250 right now and say RoofTech. RoofTech, not only a leader in the Utah roofing industry and really around the country, but they really do understand insurance. If you have questions about insurance or you just want an opinion about your roof, why not give RoofTech a call? Let them send one of their very experienced specialists out to help you figure out the best path forward. Again, all you do is have to dial pound 250 and say RoofTech. RoofTech even has a full-time repair department. They work with residential, commercial, and multifamily properties. And I know these guys. I know they will take care of you. Reach out to them today. Dial pound 250, say RoofTech. Pound 250, RoofTech, or online at RoofTech.com. Here's Abby now with a news update. Thanks, Rod. Are you... All right, welcome back to the Rod Arquette Show on this Thursday afternoon here on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listening, you'll know we're getting your phone calls right now on this Pat Bagley cartoon, in which basically Pat Bagley says police officers all are members of the KKK. And uh, Congressman Chris Stewart, along with the uh, Sheriff's Association here in the state of Utah, very upset with this. As a matter of fact, there are a couple of pro-police uh, organizations here in the state. Uh, according to the article that... Uh, Pat Reby has in the Death Red News this afternoon. Apparently, they're going to hold some sort of uh, rally this evening in front of the uh, Salt Lake Tribune headquarters downtown to protest uh, the Bagley cartoon uh, and possibly demand an apology. That ain't going to happen. I'll tell you what right now. But they have a right to get out there, and I support them in doing that. They should, because I think Bagley, a political cartoonist, always pushes the edge of the envelope a little bit. And I think this time, with everything that's going on, Police do not need to be linked to the KKK any more than what people are already trying to do, which is totally false, by the way, but that's what they're trying to do. We're also talking about um, the police union, which is saying that there are teachers now who are trying to indoctrinate their children into Black Lives Matter and that police are bad. They're very upset about that as well. Let's go to the phones, 888-570-8010, 888-570-8010, on your cell phone, dial pound 250, and say, hey, Rod, let's begin in Salt Lake City with Connie. Connie, how are you? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. What are your thoughts on this tonight, Connie? Well, I just, um, like with Jacob Blake, um, he wouldn't even have been in the situation had he not um, raped a woman. 
um, and I was listening to Glenn Beck this morning, mm-hmm. uh, took her car, took her ATM card, um, and so where's the justice for her, whereas her name's nowhere, but his is all over helmets and and shirts, and like you said, they're being honored, and, you know, growing up, I always told my son, no matter what happens, God forbid if a cop pulls you over, just do, don't run, don't ever resist, we'll figure it out after the fact. And that's the bottom line. They just, the resisting is just driving me crazy that all of them are getting, they're in the limelight, and that shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't, Connie. And, and I was listening to uh, uh, Stu and Pat talking about that on Glenn's show this morning. I can't believe, uh, uh, Connie, I'm amazed. Here you have this Jacob Blake guy, back in May, sexually assaulting a woman. I mean, I can't even describe what what he did to her. It's awful if you read the police with report. With the child with her, next to her. With her. With her child next to her. Where are the women's groups yeah. in this country out there saying, this is disgusting, this should not be happening? Instead, they remain silent. And others are trying to make Jacob yes. Blake to be a hero. I, I don't get it, Connie. And they ra- they raised $2 million for him. Are they going to help her go through therapy? Yeah, yeah. And Donovan Mitchell is yeah. giving money yeah. to help anyway. educate his children. I-, I can't believe that. All right, Connie, thank you. Let's go to uh, Vaughn in West Jordan and see what Vaughn has to say on this tonight. Vaughn, how are you? I'm doing great, Rod. Thanks. Yeah, I don't think we need to worry too much about this. Um cartoonist from the Tribune because nobody even reads the Tribune anymore. They've been lying for years. They've been, I mean, since the early pioneer days, they've been lying in the Tribune and here's another lie and they don't even have any, anybody even read it. They're, I mean, they're just trash news anyway. So people just don't even do it. Uh, so well, I they're... think we're spending too much airtime talking about them. You know what I mean? All right, Vaughn. Thank you. Appreciate that. Let's go to Brian in Taylorsville and see what Brian has to say. Brian, how are you? Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me on. I, I wanted to comment on teachers and influencing students. I I had a parent teachers conference, and I went I went to the conference, and up on the wall there was uh, a big poster of the uh, uh, People's uh, Park movement in, in Berkeley back in 1967, which uh-huh. I remember. Uh huh. And that you know they they took over the campus, they rioted. Uh, I'm. I was I pretty much taken aback that they're using taxpayer dollars to display something like that, and it was right next to George Washington's picture, you know. And um, I did I did uh, comment on it, and uh, also the school newspaper was just filled with like highly charged sexual issues and uh, far left wing political views. It was probably written by one of the teachers. I don't think the students really. Um, you know, at 15, 16 years old are, are that, that political. So I, I, I had to email the head of the Granite School District and the principal. So, um, and did you get any response? Really yeah. Brian, did you get any response? I, I got one, one response back from the principal. I got no response back from the head of the uh, Granite School District whatsoever. I, I've had to email several times on other, other issues relating to this. And this never got anything back. And, um, you know, uh, I, like I said, I got one, one response back, uh, on the first email from, from the principal. And I had to email again on another issue. I never heard back from either one of them. Mm. 
Mm. So pretty interesting. They seem to do what they want to do. They seem to take the taxpayers' dollars and push their uh, their political agendas, which you know it's got no place in a political school. No, it doesn't, Brian. And there are laws against it. As a matter of fact, Board of Education. There are laws which say you cannot do this. But teachers and uh, mom and dad, if you've got children in school now, you need to pay attention to what they're being taught and what their teachers are doing. And teachers may be offended by that and say, well, you can't watch this. Yes, you do. You have a right. They are your children. These teachers, and there are many wonderful teachers out there. It's not all teachers, but there are a few who are going to use this platform to indoctrinate your children. You need to be aware of it and stay on top of it and let people know you don't like it when you see it. 888-570-8010, 888-570-8010. On your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say, hey, Rod, more of your calls and comments coming up. It's tr- One man, one goal. Yeah, one vision. The Rod Arquette Show on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. The uh, state's largest police union very upset at some teachers who were apparently using their classrooms to promote Black Lives Matter and uh, making disparaging remarks about police. Then we've got the case of Pat Bagley, his political cartoon in the uh, Salt Lake Tribune, I believe, on Wednesday, in which he tried to link police to the KKK. Congressman Chris Stewart, among others, demanding an apology along with the Association of uh, Sheriffs here in the state of Utah, and I support whatever they're trying to do. I think Pat went too far on this one, to be real honest, especially during this time in which we're in. We're getting your reaction to it, 888-570-8010, or on your cell phone, dial pound 250, and say, hey, Rod, let's talk with Scott, who's on I-215 tonight, here on the Rod Arquette Show. Scott, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Rod. You're welcome. You doing well? Yeah, I'm doing okay. What are your thoughts on this, Scott? So, don't get me wrong, I, I support all lives, black lives, brown lives, but I don't support the Black Lives Movement at all. Um, and I think teachers are getting way out of hand with what they're bringing to the classroom. Uh, they, you know, first off, they turn them all into little Amway people, <laughs> selling everything from light bulbs to cookies. <laughs> and on top of that, <laughs> it, it doesn't seem like they're getting educated. They're getting indoctrinated. Um, I was talking with my neighbor the other day, and I was pretty appalled with the things he told me that, he had to go talk to the school about my kids are all out of school now, but um, apparently they were having a presidential race in the grade school. And the teacher told them that it's a woman's world now and boys have always been president. So it, it's only going to be girls in the race. And besides that, wow. boys aren't smart enough to be president. Wow. A teacher yeah. said that a teacher said that. Yes. Yes. Wow. All right, Scott, thank you for sharing that story. I mean, mom and dad, you got kids in school, you better be asking them what's going on in the classroom and find out. All right, let's go to uh, Rick, who's in Bear River tonight, here on the Rod Arquette Show. Hi, Rick. Hi, Rod. Good talking to you again. Say, I just wanted to remind everyone out there, since it wasn't brought up, that the KKK is an arm or was an arm of the Democrat Party. And uh, throughout history, if anybody knows anything about history, Every bad thing that's ever happened to minorities on a large scale in this country has been perpetrated by the Democrat Party, from slavery to segregation uh, to uh, 
you know, the, mm-hmm. the Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Destruction of the black family, uh, all the problems that have been created by the, by the Democrat Party. Every good thing that's happened to minorities in this country have been accomplished by the Republicans. The 13th, 14th, 15th Amendments, integration, the Equal Rights Amendments, uh, Equal Rights Legislation, that's all Republican-backed. Uh, none of it was, was Democrat-backed. And I could go into a whole lot of more examples with um, internment of Japanese and, and uh, syphilis um, experimentation on the black population back in the 30s or 40s, mm-hmm, whenever mm-hmm, it was, mm-hmm. Margaret Sanger and her attempt to eradicate the blacks through through abortion. Uh, it's unbelievable if the people knew their history, there's not a single uh, black person that would, would vote for a Democrat. Yeah, well, and of course, the Democrats are responsible for virtually all their problems these days. Yeah, well, and uh, no one, you know, Pat Bagley didn't seem to mention that in his uh, cartoon. Uh, also didn't seem to mention that, was it Robert Byrd? No, who was like, does. Yeah, Robert Byrd, Senator Robert Byrd from Virginia, who was the grand poopaw of the KKK. I mean, that doesn't get mentioned very often, does it, Rick? No, none of those things get mentioned. The problem is that they've dumbed down our, our school system to the extent ever since. I, I went to school, grade school, in the 60s, back when the United States had the best school system in the world. Of course, now we're, we're barely above Mexico, about middle of the rung. And we used to learn history back then, and we knew the truth of what was going on. But they've dumbed down the schools to the point and, and eliminated history to the point that these kids don't know what's going on. Like the last caller said, they're all being indoctrinated and don't have any idea what the truth is. Yeah, you're right, Rick. Thank you. Appreciate your phone call. Let's go to American Fork and hear what Ben has to say on this tonight. Ben, how are you? Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks, Rob. I'm doing great. You know, I wish there was time to tell my story. I actually work uh, in an institution that supports K-12 and higher education, and uh, I think I'm the only conservative thinker in the entire institution. <laughs> but uh, my my thoughts really have to do with um, with uh, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement right now, and how uh, there's so many teachers out there that are taking advantage of this as an opportunity to push an activist agenda. Uh, and it is troubling. And so what I'm doing with my kids is being proactive and then uh, trying to teach them before they go to school, hey, here's the truth. Here's really what is going on out there and beware of this. And so I think it's just important that parents be mindful and, and uh, just prepare their kids before they go to school because there are some activist classrooms out there, certainly. Ben, let me ask you, the people you work with, and you don't have to identify the company or how you're related to that, but you say they're, they're, they're pro-BLM, pro-Black Lives Matter. How do they justify that? Why do they support it, Ben? Any idea? You know, I actually can't put a finger on why, <laughs> why they actually support BLM other than, um, other than anytime there's uh, an opportunity for change. As it's been told to me, hey, this is new, this is great, this is exciting, let's embrace it. Uh, and so when there's change, it's exciting to them, uh, and that's what they feel like they've got to make sure it gets in front of the kids. Anytime there's new 
radical change, they're on it. Yeah, that's amazing. All right, Ben, thank you. Appreciate you. Let's get in one more call before the break. Let's go to uh, Luke, who is in Salt Lake City tonight. Luke, thank you very much for joining the show. What are your thoughts on this, Luke? Well, I just wanted to mention that I I really appreciate everything you're doing in the community and, and the things that you're bringing to light. Uh, but I really wanted to point out that less than 2% of the police officers in this nation discredit the badge. That's less than clergy discredit the cloth. And I think if we jumped on board and started to live like the average police officer, we'd probably find ourselves in a complete utopia. I also want to point out that I think as parents, we probably need to start taking our schools back. We need to stop allowing the school districts and this agenda that's being pushed and has been being pushed for quite a few years, uh, reindoctrinating our kids. It's time we put an end to that. Um, I think too often we just kind of turn a blind eye to trusting to government organizations and school districts to teach our children uh, things that we think they need to know. And then one day we wake up and years yeah. down the road, our kids have been reindoctrinated into thinking things that aren't true. Yeah. Uh, boy, you're right on, Luke. You're right on. Oh, Thank I you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for your kind words about the show. I appreciate that as well. You know, um, it's so right. I mean, when I went to school, very much like Luke did and others, you know, we uh, we did the Pledge of Allegiance every day. I know schools still do that. I went to a parochial school. We actually had a prayer every day. And my parents knew what the nuns were teaching us. How many of you as parents today know what your children are being taught? That I can't stress enough. In today's environment, with some teachers way out there, you need to ask your children what their teachers are telling them. And what kind of little exercises did they do today in the classroom? Because young minds are so impressionable. And if you as parents don't get on top of this, and like Luke suggested, asking your kids, I think it was Ben suggested, asking your kids every day, talking to your children about what is really right in this country, they aren't going to get it sometimes in school. More of your calls and comments coming up on the Rod Arquette Show, 888-570-8010, or on your cell phone, dial pound 250, and say, hey, Rod. Back to Abby now for a news update. Thanks, Rod. All right, right back to the phones here on the Rod Arquette Show and Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. We're talking about BLM influence in the classroom and this Pat Bagley cartoon that is stirring up quite a controversy here in the city today. Back to the phones we go. Let's talk with uh, Evan in Saratoga Springs tonight. Evan, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for taking my call, Rod. You're welcome. Um, so, you know, you had mentioned the Pledge of Allegiance and people making that an issue, and I was just thinking... Who in the right mind would have an issue with the Pledge of Allegiance, right? And 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 the other thing too is when you think of the words Black Lives Matter, who who really has an issue with that? Of course Black Lives Matter, but the issue is that you have fringe groups that that place their, their stakes in in the battle against something that we as Americans for hundreds of years have have learned that are true. And uh it's just it just doesn't make sense because, you know, you go, uh, what do you think the people in, uh, in, uh, all these third world nations oh, yeah. are, yeah. Yeah. are worrying about, they're not, yeah. they're not worrying about what we're worrying about. They would love for the chance to come here and say the pledge of allegiance. Right. So that's all I got to say. Well, Evan, and thank you very much for your phone call. I mean, 
like I've said, I've said this a million times, Americans are, are fair-minded, common sense, good-hearted people. We live in the greatest country in the land. And if there are issues, we'll address the issues. But let, let's do so in a calm fashion. Let's not burn down buildings, beat up on cops. Let's not get anything done. And I, well, you got to do something to get their attention. You got our attention. Now let's have a conversation about it, if you dare. Let's go to uh, Connie and Bluffdale tonight. Connie, how are you? Welcome to the show. Hi, Rod. How are hey, you, Connie? I'm, another... I'm good. Good, I'm good. good. I listen to you every day. So do my children, thank by you. the way. Thank you. <laughs> Part of their education. Oh, thank <laughs> you. You and Russian. John, <laughs> yep. That's how we know the facts. All right. What's on anyway, your mind, Connie? I... Well, I am the mother of a police officer. And I just want people to know, they more than anything else, they rescue. They go out there and they settle disputes. I know because just just one day in my son's life where he had to break through a car to rescue baby because the mom had left her keys in. It was 100 degrees outside. He had to crawl through glass to get to that baby who was screaming and sweating and mm. could have died. Mm. Another time just recently he was in the um, store, had to pick up a young man who was taking care of seven members of his family, and he was shoplifting school clothes. So my son had to arrest him, but he gave him $150 for school clothes. And I just know that because I'm his mother. He doesn't brag. But, and that's one of so many things. And I think people need to focus on the so many things that police officers do. All right. All right, Connie, you're right. Yeah, Ronnie, uh, Connie, uh, a lot of police officers do a lot of good out there. All right, let's go to Art, who's in Orem tonight. Art, how are you? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great. You know, it was weird as I've been listening to this conversation. I suddenly had this real empathetic response with black parents, and it surprised me. I suddenly realized how frustrated and how pissed off they must be to feel like they have to tell their kids not to trust adults that should be trustworthy and should be people they can uh, turn to. Uh, I mean, for these black parents, they, they, yeah. it feels like it's the police. For me, it feels like it's the teacher, but I suddenly kind of realized what a frustrating experience it must be for them. True or not, justified or not, I know that not all my kids' teachers are issues, but I don't know which ones are, and I'm sure those parents feel the same way. It was kind of an eye-opener for me, this conversation, so thank uh, you're welcome, Art. Sorry to cut you off. I've got to get to a break there. But that's a very good point. What a great observation. I love our listeners. You guys are brilliant out there. Love talking to you each and every day. All right, more coming up. Hour number three, the stock market. Boy, in the tank today. Steve Moore will join us and explain why. Hello, Salt Lake. We're live, we're local, and we're everywhere with you on the iHeartRadio app. How are you, everybody? Welcome back to the Rod Arquette Show, hour number three on this Thursday, the third day of September in 2020. I think it's exactly two months from today we'll be voting. Can you believe that? November 3rd. Wow. Going to be an interesting two months. <laughs> Been an interesting 2020, hasn't it? All right. Speaking of that, a reminder, 
With Labor Day weekend tomorrow, we're going to take a few days break. We won't be here tomorrow. Buck Sexton will be filling in for me tomorrow. He'll be on, of course, from 4 to 7. And then on Monday, we've got a great lineup of specials produced for us by the um, Fox News Network. They take a look at a number of issues, including the debate over schools reopening around the country. That's just one of the specials that we'll have for you on Monday afternoon between 4 and 7. Now, Glenn, Rush, and Sean will be here either live. I think Glenn will be on vacation. Sean's on vacation, but Rush will be here live tomorrow, but then he'll be gone a few days next week. But don't leave us. We'll be with you all weekend, keeping you up to date. And don't forget, come uh, Saturday, we've got the travel show and the gun show as well. So we want to invite you to uh, stay for that over the weekend. But make sure you have a safe and enjoyable holiday weekend. Police will be out in force. Slow down on the highway, especially through those construction zones. Let's all do what we've been doing in an effort to combat COVID-19. If you want, wearing a mask where you think you need to, social distancing. But you know what? It's the last big holiday of summer, for crying out loud. I hope you get out and have some fun. Now, a busy hour coming this way. We're going to talk with Jay Evenson. He is with the Deseret News. We'll also talk about a brand-new documentary that will be uh, available this coming Tuesday. It's going to be talking about the Electoral College. And how many of you have used telemedicine since COVID-19 broke out? We'll talk about that as well. So, like I said, we've got an awful lot to get to. Let's get started right now. All right, boy, the stock market, ouch. Market down more than 800 points today. A rough day on the market. A lot of people have been saying the market has been getting ahead of itself a little bit on the strength of the economy. Joining us right now on our Newsmaker line is Steve Moore, our weekly chat with Steve about politics and about the economy. Steve was with the Heritage Foundation, also a member of the President's Economic Advisory Team on the COVID-19 pandemic and its impact on the economy. Steve, thanks for joining us. Your thoughts, what on earth happened on Wall Street today, Steve? Well, I think the market got a little bit ahead of itself, didn't it? I mean, we had had, uh, six or seven or eight, you know, blockbuster days in a row. And, um, you know, it seemed, I was just saying to people the other day that it seemed like the stock market was defying gravity. Well, it didn't, it didn't defy gravity today. We saw, you know, three, four, five, six percent losses, uh, across the board. And some of the big companies like, uh, Apple really took that on the chin. They were down at one point, eight, nine percent. In one day, that's a that's a big loss. But you know, this is the this is the roller coaster ride you get uh, when you have this uh, tumultuous kind of economy with uh, with uh, you know the uh, the virus and mm-hmm. the problems in the mm-hmm. cities and so on. People people's moods change pretty rapidly. And, and Steve, I mean, a lot of people, and I think you have mentioned this in the past few weeks. You know, the the public is saying, "Wait a minute, the economy still is doing well, but the market has been doing very, very well." Was there a disconnect as to what was going on? Do you think with investors? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I think that's right. I think the market did get ahead of itself. Now, look, it could very easily, you know, tomorrow rebound. We get a big jobs report. Don't forget about that. That comes out at eight thirty a.m. Eastern time tomorrow morning. So that will be real indicative of where um, we're headed with the economy. I'm predicting, you know, it's hard to predict, but I'm predicting somewhere between 500,000 and a million additional jobs. Uh, and if that happens, I think it'll be very reassuring to the stock market. Well, what about today? You had the U.S. Uh, unemployment claims fell again here in Utah. They fell. I mean, that's got to be some good news, huh, Steve? Well, you know, I'm just laughing when you say that because, you know, it was something like 800,000 you know, uh, people signing up for unemployment insurance, we're, we're, we're classifying that as good news, <laughs> you know, because, you know, it's compared to uh, millions that were, had been uh, signing up for unemployment insurance. So it is good news. And then they, 
you know, the most important thing is more people got off unemployment insurance than got out. So the net, net number continues to fall. But, but look, we still got a lot of work to do here. I mean, we still have 20 million people who are unemployed in this country. It's a, it's still a real tough sled for, you know, millions and millions of Americans and for small businesses. I saw a statistic today that one in three small businesses now are in financial hardship. I mean, those are, These are tough times for American consumers, families, and businesses. And yet nothing is coming out of Washington to help people out right now. Should there be something, Steve? Uh, Yeah, we've already put so much fiscal stimulus into the economy uh, that I'm not a big fan of this. I do think a payroll tax cut, just letting people keep more of their paychecks from now until the end of the year, which Donald Trump wants to do, is a great idea. Uh, But, you know, massive borrowing. And by the way, you there in Utah, you know, just a, a, a number of weeks ago, you balanced your budget mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. In, uh, in your state. And, you know, there are about 12 states like Utah that have been very fiscally responsible, balanced their budget, paid their bills. Uh, and so why should people in Utah have to pay these big bailouts for people in New York and people in California and people in New Jersey? And so, you know, th- this is the big dispute between Nancy Pelosi and Donald Trump. Uh, Nancy Pelosi wants uh, $800 billion for states and cities and trump wants a, a number much much lower than that so we, we will see in the in the maybe the way, days but maybe the weeks ahead whether they can reach an agreement they're still way apart what are your thoughts one of the stories circulating of course today and i know you've heard this as well steve is that the u.s debt will exceed the size of the economy next year is what some people are projecting and we haven't seen that happen since world war ii what are your thoughts on that well, this is a consequence of shutting down our economy. And, you know, when you when you shut down your economy, you don't get any tax revenues. When you spend like drunken sailors and shell out $3 trillion in, uh, in government benefits, you're going to have a massive deficit. I mean, I, I'm surprised that anybody's surprised by this. Uh, you know, we this is why, by the way, that number that you just mentioned, Rod, does not include the 2 to $3 trillion Pelosi wants to spend. So think about that. Yeah. We're already over, you know, near, uh, are we over 100% yet? I know we're very close. But, uh, you know, here we are with record levels of debt, and, and Pelosi says, let's add another 2 or $3 trillion. I, I think Trump is wise to say, whoa, whoa, Nelly, as the saying goes. Uh, we're already spending and borrowing too much. Let's let's rein it in. Hey, but look, Nancy got her hair cut. She's happy, Steve. I mean, come on. What a story that has been. <laughs> no. No, it's just been remarkable, and she dug herself into a you know, deeper grave. When she, uh, you know, said, well, I was trapped into this and, you know, and the fact is that there is a double standard. Politicians do believe that they live under different standards than the rest of us. And so, you know, politicians, uh, you know, don't obey their own rules. And, you know, there was a good example of this in Chicago a few weeks ago in the height of the riots where they can't keep, you know, uh, small businesses safe. They can't keep, you know, minority neighborhoods safe. But Lori Lightfoot, the mayor there, put massive security around her own house. Gee, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could do that, right? Yeah. We could all have massive security. Uh, so this is, this is, I think, an indication that, you know, these, uh, these rulers sometimes are like Marie Antoinette, you know, <laughs> let them eat cake. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I caught a segment of you, I think it was on Fox Business News this week, uh, Steve, and you were talking about the, uh, the Democrats' tax plan and Joe Biden's tax plan and the hypocrisy in all of this. Do people really understand what Joe Biden wants to do with their taxes if he's elected, do you think? Uh, I don't think so, because if they looked at and saw, you know, the massive tax increases in that in that plan, you know, I just don't understand it. I, you know, I don't understand how you can think you're going to rescue the economy and breathe new life into it uh, and then have, 
you know, two trillion dollars of new taxes. Now he said, oh, they're only on the rich, but those are small business owners. Those are American corporations. I mean, this is going to lead to less jobs here in the United States, and it'll send jobs to China and Mexico and Japan and Germany and other countries. So I just don't really get the logic of it. I've never seen an economy get better by raising taxes, but I guess Joe Biden uh, thinks that he's got a formula to do that. On our Newsmaker Line, Steve Moore with the Heritage Foundation talking about the economy, what's going on big day tomorrow. As Steve just mentioned, we'll get the unemployment numbers coming your way tomorrow morning, 6.30. Salt Lake City time is when we'll get them in the morning. All right, more coming up on the Rod Arquette Show and Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen and you'll know. Let's get news update now. Here's Abby. Thanks, Rod. Stay The Rod Arquette Show with you on this Thursday in Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen and you'll know. All right, still to come uh, this hour, we're going to be talking with the uh, producer of a brand new documentary out about the Electoral College. It will be available on Tuesday. And we'll also talk about telemedicine, how that is going to change medicine the way we know it today as a result of COVID-19. That's still to come. But right now... I want to talk with Jay Evenson. Jay, a good friend of the show. He's a columnist, of course, at the Deseret News. He wrote this week talking about the pandemic and why we weren't ready. And a lot of people are saying that. Usually we all have to wait till a crisis happens for us to prepare for this. But what's funny is Jay wrote about this two years ago, and in his column this week, he talked about that. And, Jay, thanks for joining us tonight. Jay, you know I'm saying this in jest, but is your arm getting tired a little bit from having to pat yourself on the back for this? You know, it's one of those things where I was looking for something to write about yesterday, so I was going back through my the archives of what I'd written. And here I stumbled on this thing exactly two years ago where I wrote a column saying, how come we're not prepared for a pandemic? And uh, the timing couldn't have been better. <laughs> <laughs> well, great call on that. What, what happened two years ago, and why aren't we ready? Why did, what, what are some of the things we didn't do, in your opinion, Jay? Well, and there are things that I think it, to be... To be realistic and to give people the benefit of the doubt, you don't really know everything that you need to know to survive a pandemic until you actually go through it. And so there are certain things like, uh, you know, what, what really needs to close uh, in terms of businesses and, and, and churches and schools and, uh, you know, have schools prepared uh, for online teaching? Um, how do we target outbreaks of uh, a disease so that we're not closing down all of the economy, but maybe just targeting areas where we can be most effective. And what about masks and forcing people to wear masks? These are things that I think we could better address when we're not going through a pandemic. But you asked me what happened, and really the simple answer is that there was no political pressure to make decisions about a pandemic before the pandemic happened. It's the same reason why uh, no one's trying to fix uh, the national debt right now because there's not a, a real crisis. Although I just read a Wall Street Journal report that said next year we're expected to the debt. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That is expected to exceed that of the uh, GDP of the economy. So we may be facing that sooner than later. But uh, absent a real political pressure to uh, to address something that's not a crisis at the moment, we tend to just let it go. Yeah, and that is very important. But one thing you write about, Jay, and uh, you're spot on in this, is Utah economically. I mean, state leaders who've been criticized over the years for the rainy day fund and all this actually were smart in getting the state ready for something like this because economically, Utah, I think, right now is doing just fine. Yeah, that's an excellent point, and that that uh, actually came out of a uh, 24-7 Wall Street report, which correctly noted that Utah has the strongest economy in, in the nation right now with an unemployment rate of 4.5%, which is uh, unheard of. I mean, the na- national rate is still above 10%. And I think you've seen uh, in, in our in legislature, in our, in, in our governors over the last couple of decades, um, a, a real push to prepare ourselves for worst-case scenarios. And I think that was accelerated by the recession of 2008. I think after that happened, a lot of lawmakers are like, well, we don't want to be caught again with that. Look, we've, we've had rainy day funds, which helped us get through that. But let's start applying these stress tests that, that uh, the federal government applies to banks. How would we withstand this kind of a recession or that kind of a recession? And they've They've done that, and uh, we actually we came through this with flying colors, and that's supposing that it's over with. It may not be over with. <laughs> Jay, how much of a risk, though, do politicians take if they plan too much, if we prepare too much and then nothing happens? How much of a risk is uh, a risk factor is there? Well, the problem with pandemics is we've often had pandemic scares, and then they, they don't pan out. And I point out in the column a French government official – who about uh, 11, 12 years ago when we had the swine flu uh, uh, scare, and she ordered 1.7 billion face masks and millions of doses of a flu vaccine, and they ended up using very little of that, and most of it was uh, thrown away, and she lost her job and her political career because she was seen as being wasteful. And the problem is that we we tend to judge politicians on the outcomes of their decisions without taking into account were they making the best choices at the time based on the data that was available. So I think there's a skittishness there that uh, you over-prepare for it and it doesn't happen and then you get punished. You under-prepare for it and it does happen and you get punished. It's probably... <laughs> better politically to let it happen and then try to make some good decisions on the fly. Uh, I imagine you've seen a lot of articles, I know I have, Jay, uh, debates over lockdowns, were they necessary? Debates over social distancing, was it necessary? Debates over mask wearing, was it necessary? You know, should we have acted like Sweden? Could we have gotten away with that in that plan? Do you think, Jay, after all of this is over, that actually we'll have continued discussions about all these issues and even more? I think we will for a time. It's very interesting. If you look back 100 years ago at the flu pandemic, that disappeared from the headlines uh, as soon as it, it, it was over, and nobody really talked about it again. I think this has been so disruptive to our economy and to our lives 
and has gone on for such a long period. Now, it's six months now, and I don't know if it's another six months. Um, who knows when it's going to end? But I do think it's gone on long enough. There are going to be hearings. There are going to be committees. I think you now have political cover for politicians to say, you know, let's look and see how we handled this and how we might be able to do better the next time. You know, it's very interesting. After I wrote this column, I got an email this morning from somebody who said, you know, I was actually on a panel about 10, 12 years ago studying pandemics and how we should prepare for it. And we actually had a plan in Salt Lake County. Well, it, it brought to mind, you know, that closing scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark <laughs> where uh, you see the Ark of the Covenant in this giant <laughs> government warehouse and yeah. it becomes lost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the problem is when we have plans, they tend to sit and gather dust, and then we forget that we have the plan when the time comes. So we still will have to deal with, with, with that. I mean, if we go another 100 years till the next one, uh, I'm not sure we're going to be much more prepared. Jay Evenson, a columnist with the Deseret News, asking us why we weren't ready for the pandemic, learning nothing from what happened oh, with a number of viruses and flus and attacks we've had on our health over the past several years. All right, more coming up on the Red Arquette when we come back. A brand new documentary out about the importance of the Electoral College. That's coming up on the Red Arquette and Utah's Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Listen and you'll know. Can Donald Trump... Arquette Show on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. You know, we had a uh, close election. What was it in 2000 between George Bush and Al Gore? One that went on for nearly a month until the Supreme Court made a ruling that decided that election. And then in 2016, you had Hillary Clinton winning the popular vote, but Donald Trump winning the election with the Electoral College. No telling what's going to happen here in about 60 days from now, but that's the subject of a brand new documentary out on the Electoral College. Critics of the Electoral College argue for a national popular vote, and their main argument being a basic one, so every citizen has an equal voice in deciding who wins the presidency, not just the competitive states. But there are problems with that argument. And joining us on our Newsmaker Line right now is Trent England. Trent is the executive director of an organization called Save Our States. And he's got a brand new documentary that will premiere on Tuesday called Safeguard, an Electoral College Story. Trent, thanks for joining us tonight. What is this documentary all about, Trent? I think there's two reasons. One is it is totally misunderstood just how the Electoral College works and why it works so well, why it serves our country so well. And it's actually a really interesting story about how the Electoral College has helped to protect minority voices, you know, whether it's racial minorities or farmers or people who live in small states, it's protecting them in our political system. So uh, it's a, it was a fun movie to make, and I, I think it'll be an interesting film for people to watch. Why do you think the Electoral College is so mister- misunderstood? What confuses people about it? Well, I think part of it is that typically it just works in the background and people don't have to think about it. So, you know, we we just don't pay that much attention. And then I, I also think that we, we have not done a good job in our country teaching civics. 
And so, you know, we've lapsed into this sort of lazy thinking that all that matters is just, you know, just having a democracy. And we've forgotten that there's a lot of checks and balances and structures that go into making our constitutional system work. Does the documentary at all go into the history of the Electoral College, how it came to be at all? It does, yeah. We talk about the, the founders and uh, and how they put all that together at the Constitutional Convention. Okay, now, uh, there are efforts, of course, you're well aware of, you're fighting against this effort to uh, eliminate the Electoral College. I mean, what would happen if we got rid of it, Trent? Well, the, the most obvious thing is big cities would have a lot more political power uh, because, you know, what we see today, and we saw this even in the Democrats nominating Joe Biden, they have to pay attention to voters in Wisconsin and Minnesota and Michigan and Pennsylvania, including voters outside of the big cities. But without the Electoral College, right, a candidate like Bernie Sanders or even a candidate like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez would have a much better shot at not just winning the Democrat nomination, but winning the presidency. Because, you know, if you could just churn out a lot of votes and a lot of excitement in the big cities, you could probably ignore, you know, pretty much the rest of America. Uh, So that would be the most obvious change. It would also shift power to Washington, D.C., because somebody would have to run a national election. And, uh, you know, right now the states run 50 separate state elections, but without the Electoral College, that would have to change. I don't see this happening today, but hopefully it will. Do you feel that the Electoral College forces the candidates to the center in a way? It, it definitely does over time, and you know I, I think you're right. We're we're at a point in American <laughs> politics where things are really polarized, and and that's unfortunate. But the electoral college does force the political parties and the campaigns to reach out more than they would otherwise, because you can't you can't win. You know the, the Republicans can't go to states like like where I live, Oklahoma, and say, well, instead of winning by sixty some percent, we want to win by eighty some percent. Right, that doesn't that doesn't help you, right? They they go to states that are more balanced, like Wisconsin, and they try to make sure that they're you know pushing things over the line there. That has the effect over time of moderating the parties a little bit, right? I mean, it doesn't doesn't solve all of our problems, but it's a good incentive. Does the electoral college though give swing states um, more power, uh, a disproportionate amount of power? Um, because, you know, you know, we're looking now at states like Pennsylvania, Michigan, uh, Ohio, Wisconsin, states like that. Do they have more power because of the Electoral College? And is that, a, is that okay? Well, you know, in, a, in the short term, definitely some states get a lot more attention. And with that attention comes, you know, a little bit more clout in the system. But the reality is those, those states change over time. I was reading something the other day that was, from uh, the 1950s, I think, or the 60s, saying, you know, Alabama is always going to be a Democratic state, and Vermont will always be a Republican <laughs> state, right? So these things, these things change a lot over time. And, and really, you know, the states that are safe, it's just because people there have made up their minds basically earlier, right? Oklahoma mm-hmm. is just already really strongly Republican in this particular election, 
you know, Oklahoma still matters. You know, in, in 2000. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. People talk about, oh, you know, only Florida mattered because that was where all the focus was at the end. But the reality is, if George W. Bush had lost any other state, or if Al Gore had just won his home state of Tennessee, like Bill Clinton was able to do previously, then the election would have gone the other way. So, you know, every state matters. Obviously, politics, you know, some... Some places get more attention than, than others in a particular election. But, you know, you, you can't really take the politics out of politics, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, I laugh, uh, Trent, and I imagine you do as well, when I hear those behind the national national popular vote idea say it would force the candidates to campaign in all 50 states. Well, the Democrats already know they have California, Oregon, Washington, New Jersey, New York, so they wouldn't be canning there. I mean, how do you respond to that argument that, well, it forces all the candidates to campaign in all 50 states? Well, it, it, you know, as you say, it's, it's really just a silly kind of claim because even even candidates running for governor, especially in big states, they don't go everywhere. They can't go everywhere, right? They pay attention to particular places, particular, you know, they're always looking for swing voters. They're looking for places where there are a lot of voters packed packed together, right? The suburbs get a lot of attention um, because that's where there's a lot of a lot of voters and there tend to be a lot of swing voters. So, you know, that I think I think anybody who's been involved in politics and and a lot of people who haven't been involved in politics know that that's just not the way it works, right? Even even in a campaign for governor or US Senate, you know, you, they still have political strategists and pollsters who are slicing and dicing up the electorate and uh, that's how it would be under a, a national popular vote, only worse because the country's a lot bigger than any one state. The name of the documentary is called Safeguard, an Electoral College Story. Trent, how will people be able to see it? The documentary out on Tuesday, as you mentioned. Where and how will be people be able to see it? Because I think it's important that they should. Where can they see it? Yeah, it'll be on Amazon uh, Prime. It will be on uh, YouTube and iTunes. It'll be all over the place for, for people who want to stream it. And people can go to the website, safeguard.film, just safeguard.film, and uh, there will be links to all those streaming platforms, plus an education guide. So if, if people have kids or teachers who want to show this in their classrooms, we're going to put out some curriculum to help them do that. On our Newsmaker line, Trent England, he is with the organization called Save Our States, talking about a brand-new documentary that is coming out on Tuesday. Trent just shared some information with you as to where you'll be able to find it. It's called Safeguarding an Electoral College Story. A lot of people don't understand how the Electoral College works, but it is a beautiful idea put together by the founders of this great country of ours. All right, more coming up on the Rod Arquette Show and Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listen in, you'll know. Let's go back to Abby now for a news update. The Rod Arquette Show on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS. Listening, you'll know. Welcome back. Final segment before we get ready to send it to uh, Dave Ramsey tonight. Utah Congressman John Curtis 
had uh, introduced a new bill. And what this bill calls for, basically, is a study of telemedicine's impact during the coronavirus pandemic. Telemedicine is where you're at home, you talk to a doctor who's in the office over social media of some sort, maybe a FaceTime, maybe over your computer, whatever the case may be. But this is a new tool that the healthcare industry is using more and more to treat people during the COVID-19 pandemic. And there are some people out there who feel that it should be made a permanent part of healthcare in America. One of those is Dr. Mary Tipton. She is an internal medicine and pediatric specialist here in the state. She wrote an article about that in the Salt Lake Tribune this past week. And we spoke with Dr. Tipton earlier on our newsmaker line and asked her why she feels it is so important that Utah make telehealth medicine permanent. It's hard enough to provide the health care we need to our diverse panel of patients with all the requirements and restrictions and busyness of their lives and anything that can help us be more efficient and more helpful, I think, should be used. And it's shown during this pandemic to be that. Um, patients are so grateful to have this opportunity to use telehealth and the expansion of the payment for it and then the um, lessening of restrictions on the ways we can do it has made it so much more accessible. Is it a challenge for doctors to really uh, determine what is ailing a, a patient through telemedicine? I mean, is it as effective as an in-office visit, do you feel? It varies. Um, I am a practitioner that sees all ages and mm-hmm. in internal medicine and pediatrics, and we started full bore with um, telemedicine second week of March. There is a learning curve for sure, but once providers get a little the hang of it and then we have these uh, visits screened, you can definitely find people who are clearly um, ideal for telemedicine and then filter out those that are not. Mm-hmm. So in many, many cases, it's ideal. And then, of course, there's a few cases in which it's not. And as long as you can kind of screen and have the flexibility to determine which is which, I think you can accomplish more than I ever thought I could, actually, by telemedicine. <laughs> Dr. Tippin, a personal story. A couple of years ago, I was in Hawaii and really came down sick. I don't know what I had. Didn't want to go to the emergency room or a doctor. And I actually did use telemedicine and thought it worked out just fine. What has taken us so long to realize the benefit of this uh, of this tool we can now use to help us? I honestly think it's just the payment. It's just the expectation and the payment. I mean, doctors have wanted to use this. Patients have wanted to use this for years. We The technology clearly has been there for a really long time. I mean, how long since we've had webcams, we have FaceTime, we have all these opportunities to talk to other people virtually. It's just been the restrictions by the government that it's not saying it's not secure, and then number two, not being able to get reimbursed. Is it secure? Uh, in my experience, I've had no problems with it, and uh, I think that's something that should be tested. I know in John Curtis's bill, it's just a, an exploratory for a uh, bill to try to determine if there's been any adverse effects. So maybe during the pandemic, there could be, uh, since there's so many telemedicine calls have been done, they could find out if there were any breaches. To my knowledge, it's been perfectly fine, secure patients, as long as you tell them, um, you know, we're going to use this FaceTime, we're going to use this technique, I guess they could opt out. But, I mean, people just want to get their medical problems taken care of. You know, most people are really not too concerned about um, the security of it. They're more concerned about the efficiency and getting their needs taken care of. And that's been something we've been able to do. You know, my, my from a patient perspective, I wonder if there are people who sometimes are reluctant to go to the emergency room or reluctant to go see the doctor. They just don't want to put up with the hassle of it. And this makes it a whole lot easier. Do you think that is a fair view from a patient point? 
I absolutely do. There are so many barriers for a patient to present themselves in an office, from childcare, from transportation, from uh, maybe uh, their own personal beliefs or fear of going to another place, and all of those things can uh, often be minimized by being able to do this secure, efficient interaction, especially with a provider that they know. I mean, I think that there's a place... Uh, or ideally, you know, you would meet your mm-hmm, patient at least mm-hmm. and have a relationship with them. Yeah. I think that's why it's so important to have telemedicine done from primary care practices like my own, where I can uh, very clearly and easily filter out which patients and which type of problems are going to be more amenable to it, and then um, make sure that people come in that need to be seen in person. Are there any uh, insurance issues with this that you're aware of? There definitely is. Um, Payment, although it is present for telemedicine, has been lower than in-person visits. So um, there's still a bit of a disincentive uh, for us to do uh, telemedicine versus in-person, although, of course, we've been complying with um, all the requirements for documentation, which are also a little more onerous. So I I just think... um, it's not quite there, you know, it's not on par, but it's still doable. Like maybe, for example, you could do a little more quickly with telemedicine and then make up the difference and not lose money. Um, so I think it's definitely viable. And psychiatrists, I've heard, are almost exclusively going to telemedicine mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. kind of telling themselves, I have friends that are psychiatrists, like, why would I even, I'm going to just sell the office, you know. <laughs> so some specialists are so uh, amenable to it, uh, therapy, that's another thing I've had patients that, well, so many patients during this mental health pandemic that has come from all of the uh, owner's restrictions for coronavirus. So a lot of people need therapy, and they've been able to get it in their homes and even um, maybe at a better, have a better experience, yeah. experience than previously. Yeah. What about the medical community itself? Are most doctors behind this, do you feel? I do. I do feel that has been uh embraced by every specialty and every physician that I know of. Now, it has drawbacks, and when I was having to do almost all telemedicine, it's painful. Mm -hmm. It it can be really challenging with elderly, with um, just technical difficulties sometimes. The call drops, they don't get the camera right, whatever. But um, when we're able to be in a more balanced setting, like right now where we're doing uh, in-person visits and then we're also doing telemedicine when appropriate, I feel like it's uh, something that every specialty and every physician and every patient under the right circumstances would embrace. Is this the future of medical care in this country, do you feel? Are we going to be able to turn back time? Boy, do I hope so. (laughs) This has been a long time coming. It's like those things you just... One of the few silver linings, probably, of the pandemic will be that we were forced to go to telemedicine and realize that it's not as risky or difficult or insecure um, as we thought. On our Newsmaker Line, we've been talking with Dr. Mary Tipton. She is a uh, doctor here in the state of Utah, recently wrote an op-ed piece in the Salt Lake Tribune about COVID-19 and the telehealth order, and she says it should be made permanent. All right, that does it for us tonight. Head up, shoulders back. May God bless you and your family in this great country of ours. We'll be back on Tuesday. Have a great Labor Day weekend, everybody. Be safe out there. Dave Ramsey is coming up next.
The times we're living in. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.